Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. This reading comes from Exodus 21-21. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who miss uses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to do to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant, or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land. The Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and he will listen, but not to, but not, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while the Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Good morning. My name is Mark Channon, and this morning I'm going to talk to you and share God's word with you from Exodus 20. And it's a great privilege for me to be able to share with you from God's word, from the Ten Commandments. 
And as you know, we are facing a pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's causing a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, of uncertainty. And a lot of us are asking ourselves, when will life get back to normal again? When are the cases going to drop? And when will it all end? However, it is providing us with a wonderful opportunity for us to reevaluate what we are doing in church, what the months ahead, what is going to happen after the pandemic is over. How is the church going to be after the COVID-19 pandemic ends? And as you know, here in Melbourne, we have been under stage four restrictions for the past week or so. <clears throat> And we, the churches, we are under specific legislation by the state government. And here are some of those restrictions that we've been placed under. Places of worship are closed for services and on-site work, which means that we cannot meet on a Sunday or we cannot have any service within the church. The only exception is that we are allowed to pre-record or have a live broadcast within the church premises with a maximum of five people on site. Church office must close, which means that all the pastoral care or preparation of services or church admin has to be done from home. Weddings are not allowed except for compassionate reasons. Funerals, only 10 people can attend any funerals. For any staff that goes to church, for example, to record the service, they will need to have a work permit to be able to do that. And all churches, basically all businesses that will open their premises, will need to have a COVID safe plan in place. On top of that, for us as individuals, there is the 8 p.m. curfew, we are not allowed to get out of the house after 8 p.m. except for emergency purposes. We have to wear a face mask whenever we get out of the house. We can only go shopping to a maximum of five kilometers from our homes. Same thing applies for exercise. And the, the only other thing we can go out for is care, medical care, if we need to, for work. And so what, what is happening is that we have a lot of really harsh regulations set on us. And if we do not comply with those regulations, there is severe fines in place. And for workplaces, it can be up to about $100,000. And so uh, the law here forces us to think carefully about how we do things, about whether we are doing the right things when we need to do them. However, compliance to the law is not the main issue here. Yes, there's heavy penalties that we will face if we do not comply. But compliance to the law is not really the main issue. What's at stake here is our personal health, 
our well-being. Because if we do not do the right thing, we can be infected. Because the COVID-19 virus is very, very infectious. As we know, thousands of people have been infected so far. And close to 200 people, they've lost their lives as a result of being infected. And we also know that there are close to 50 people right now at the moment in intensive care units fighting for their lives. So the thing is that it's not so much the law, which is the main deterrent here, but it's a matter of life and death. Because just a very small misstep, a very small exposure to the COVID-19 virus can mean for us a lot of pain and suffering, if not death itself. And that's, that's similar to what we are looking at today, about the Ten Commandments. And that's taken from Exodus chapter 20. And verse 1 and 2 says, And God spoke all those words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So the Ten Commandments there begins with a reminder to the people of Israel about what God has already done for them. God has brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And here now, they are in the desert of Sinai, right at the foot of Mount Sinai. They've set up camps there. And God has spoken to Moses and asked Moses to gather all the people together. And before God actually gave the Ten Commandments to his people through Moses, he's saying to them, just remember what I've done for you. I've brought you out from the land where you were slaves, from Egypt. I've freed you from the slavery in Egypt. So let's go back a little bit. From chapter 19, where God was preparing to deliver the Ten Commandments to them. And there in, in chapter 19, verse 3 onwards, here we can see Moses going up to God and God saying to Moses from the mountain, on the mountain, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will do everything the Lord has said. So God's introduction of 
the Ten Commandments is very important for us to put into context what God is trying to tell his people there. Those words are, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So you, we can see here that the Ten Commandments is not so much as a law code, just a body of laws, a set of rules and regulations in isolation. God is pointing to them through those opening words that it is directed to, towards them personally and also as the whole nation together. So if we think about chapter 19, when God was saying that you are going to be a holy nation, I'm going to set you apart as a nation. We can see here that when God is giving them his commandments, it's not just a set of regulations, but it is a concern from God about relationship between him and his people, a people he's already set free, a people he has already redeemed. And we can take it that here the law is like a gift from God to a people that he has redeemed. And they are gracious words of God. I have redeemed you. I am your God, a personal God, a God who has taken the Israelites from all the other nations around and chosen them. This is the God who is going to give them some instructions on how to maintain that relationship between him and his people and also amongst his people. So let's look very briefly at what the commandments are. The first four commandments would be what we call the relationship, the vertical relationship, that is relationship between God himself and his people. The way in which he wants his people to relate to him, to look at him and know who he is, to have a better understanding of why he has given them those laws. Just bear in mind, just remind ourselves that God has already redeemed his people there when he gave them those commandments. And he's saying from verse 3, the first four commandments would be, you shall have no other gods before me. And then the next one would be, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or on the waters below. And then in verse 7, you, should, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So we can see here, for example, in the first commandment that God is asking his people not to put anything else above God himself. And I think that Jesus, when he was speaking in Matthew 22, when he was telling them about the law, because they did ask him about what's, what's the most important commandments. 
Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 22 that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength and with all our mind. Because if we do not centre our lives around things that has to do with God, if we centre our minds to other things, for example, if we centre our lives around money, around power, around pleasure, around fame, what does that mean? When we put God to one side, it will not only affect us in our relationship with God, but it will affect others as well. And that's for the last six commandments that God is going to give to them later on. So what God is asking here is that we shall not put anything else above God himself. And also bear in mind that when he was telling his people about that, that he's talking to those whom he has taken out of slavery. And the second one is about idols, putting idols in their lives. As we know in Egypt, when those people of Israel, they were living in Egypt, they were surrounded by idols. They had a lot of idols that were there to attract their attention away from God himself. And God is telling them that I've freed you from all these as well. And when we think about it nowadays, when we think about idols, it's not just about something that people is carved out of wood or made out of uh, a metal or something, not just that. But a lot of other things in our lives nowadays can act as idols. Fame, money, even money. When we use our times in other ways apart from what God has called us to do, we consider other things that's more important than God himself. These can be idols in our lives. So God is saying, watch out for those. We cannot love God more than those things if we consider those things to be bigger in our lives than God himself. And the third thing is about the Lord's name, the third commandments. He's given his people his name. And it's something important because God, when Moses was called by God to free up his people. And he was, in a sense, struggling about what this will mean. And he asked God, well, if the people doesn't accept me as their leader, and if they ask me about your name, what, what will I say? I don't know what, what name will I give to them? And that's when God said, to Moses, go and tell your people, my name is I am who I am. And God is saying here, shouldn't use his name in vain. And as you know, nowadays, a lot of people only know Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, 
as a swear word. And that's using God's name in vain. And the fourth commandment is about keeping the Sabbath. And bear in mind there as well that those people, they just, they've just come out of slavery from Egypt. And as slaves, they, they were required, they were forced to work seven days a week. No break. And when they were asking, when Moses was asking to, to set them free, additional workload was imposed on them. So they were working for long hours. They were working hard as slaves. And so what God is saying here is I'm freeing you from that as well. Not only just freeing you from being a slave, I'm asking you to have a day of rest, to keep the Sabbath, that you belong to me, I've freed you up, and you keep that day, not only for rest, but also that day to concentrate on me, to worship, to connect with me. And so after the first four, then we have the six, what we call the horizontal commandments. Those commandments that has to do with the way in which we relate to those around us. And they are honor your father and mother, <clears throat> You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour, you shall not covet your neighbour's house, you shall not covet your neighbour's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. <clears throat> now let's think about those six commandments. They are, as I was saying, they are commandments that helps in our relationship with others. And as one of the commentators has said that because God loves our neighbours, He's given us those commandments for us to love our neighbours. And because God loves us, He's given the same commandments to our neighbours for them to love us. There are a set of rules, if you want, or a way of living that helps us in our relationship with others. Yes, they've been given to us, but they are meant more for our neighbours because when you look at it, it's not something that will benefit us when you think about it. When we do not murder, for example, it's for the benefit of our neighbours. When we steal something, who is suffering? It's our neighbours. When we give this false testimony against our neighbours, who is suffering? It's our neighbours. So God is saying here that we have to look after our neighbours. And as what Jesus said later on, love your neighbours as yourself. So what 
is happening here is that God is asking the people of Israel to look after one another. That the purpose of the law is not your best life now, but your neighbor's best life now. Because he's saying here, if we look at all those six commandments, he's saying here, for as long as you're here, love your neighbors. And so, in a sense, if we want to briefly summarize all those commandments, what God is saying here is, because of what I've done for you, because I've freed you from slavery in Egypt, make sure that everyone gets a day off. And when you do so, take care of the elderly. Don't kill, don't steal. Don't hurt your neighbor with words. Don't desire your neighbor's stuff. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is what Jesus said later on. So the last six commandment is not so much about you as a person, personally. It's about your neighbor. It's about how you are to relate to your neighbors. And the commandments are not, as I said earlier on, it's not just simply a list of rules just to control a bunch of people there in the desert. But it is centered around a God who loves his people, who has redeemed his people from slavery to freedom. And also, it's about us as human beings, so that all of us, we can live in harmony with one another, so that we can have a full, productive life, a meaningful life with God and with one another. So those commandments are basically aimed at preventing that sort of breakdown in relationship between God and his beloved community, the community is redeemed, and between human beings on the other hand. So it is in that sort of context that God has given those commandments. When he says, I am your God and I've just redeemed you. I've just set you free from slavery and I'm giving you those to help you in your relationship with me and to help you in your relationship with one another as you move across from here into the promised land. And so when we think about it, when we reflect on this, what does it mean for us today? What does it mean that God has freed his people, given them all the sets of commandments, might have been about three, three and a half thousand years ago. What does it mean to us today? And First Peter chapter 2 reminds us about Exodus chapter 19. And also Jesus reminds us about 
the commandments, and he summarized the commandments. But First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, tell us, and basically it's some sort of a repeat of what God told his people right there in the desert. And here in First Peter chapter 2, it says, but you are a chosen people. And bear in mind, Peter is addressing believers here. So in a sense, it's applicable to us as well. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful lights. And Peter also adds this, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have mercy. This is what God is telling to each one of us. As a church, as a community of believers, as those people whom God is called out of nothing, who did not have mercy, now we have received mercy because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and because of our acceptance of him in our lives. And we've been set free by what Jesus has been able to do for us right there on the cross. So like the people of Israel gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai, I think especially in this time when we have so much fear, so much anxiety going on in our lives, so much things, things appear to be moving so fast nowadays. I think it's a timely reminder to us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. God's special possession. Like the people of Israel, Jesus is also giving us those commandments. He summarized it for us. When he says, we shall love the Lord our God, with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength. And the second is like that, to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. Brothers and sisters, we know that COVID-19 has changed the face of the church. It's a bit like wearing a mask. Most of our features, they're hidden away with the mask. And maybe we are not even recognizable when we wear this mask. But there are the features that can make us recognizable. But there will be a day when we will not have to wear the mask. And so as it is now, the church is barely recognizable in the sense that once when uh, the identity of the church was the building, when we meet inside the building, now through COVID-19, we are not even allowed to step into a building, except if we are recording the service. We can only meet online. 
And it's very hard for us to be able to build up that sort of personal relationship with one another. But through connect groups, we found that it is possible for us to carry on having that sort of relationship, developing that relationship with others within our group. And on Sunday, when we meet together, yes, we can be in our lounge. We can be somewhere just watching. But the Lord also said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I believe that what God is, is doing at the moment is asking us as his church, as a gathering of his believers, to rethink about the way in which we've been doing things. The church, the identity of the church is no longer the building, but we're still gathering at the church. So he's asking us to rethink about how we are doing things. When we look at the Ten Commandments, and as I was saying before, it was given to his people that he's just taken from slavery, from Egypt. He's just redeemed them. And the focus of it is relationship with him and relationship with one another. And it's not just about making them into nicer people or better people. But he wants to see that those people, through their relationship with him and relationship with one another, he wants them to be like an image bearer of who God is, of who he is, to be a light to the nations around them. He wants his people, the people of Israel, to be a, the agents of changes within the world. Because Israel is God's people, they have to reflect God's nature in the way in which they live their lives. They are to be witness to the nation that this is the God whom you have to follow as well. Israel was to show to the nations around them the light of God. And this is what we, I believe, is called to do. We are his special possession, God's special possession, his holy nation now. We have been redeemed. We have been saved because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And he's asking us now to be that light in the nation. In the midst of anxiety, of fear, of unknown, in the midst of so much bad news that we're receiving, we as believers, we are called to be the light of God. And we have to respond to that. 
And as a church, as the Moody Pond Baptist Church, we have a role to play in that. And each one of us, we've been asked as a response to what God has done for us, we've been asked to play a part in the body of Christ. Each one of us, we are part in the body of Christ. We've been asked to play a role within that church so that we can provide light to those around us, to those people in such a desperate need of hope, of trust, in such desperate need of good news, and we have the good news. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond to what God is asking us to do? And that's what I believe we have to pray and think about. That just like what God gave to his people, we too, we have to respond to that. We too, we have to respond in a similar way to what the people said. All that you have said, all that God has told us, we will do. And God is asking us to respond to all the things happening around us. What is your role going to be in the body of Christ? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, when we look around us, when we see all the hurt, when we see and hear about the fear that people have, the way in which we do not even dare to see other people for fear that they might have the virus. Lord, in the midst of all these bad news, we know that you are the light. We know that you are the only hope that we have. And as a church, as a gathering of your people, you've called us to be the light of the world. You've called us as a holy nation to go and show to others, demonstrate to others your love for them, your grace, your peace. But most of all that, Lord, the hope of the world is with you. May you speak in each one of our lives what sort of role you want us to play in the weeks ahead, in the months ahead. What is it that you're calling us to do in order to really be your light in the community? We do commit ourselves to you and we do pray that, Lord, you will just put something in our hearts, in each one of our hearts, for us to respond to your call to each one of us. We thank you, Lord, that in spite of everything, we can still gather together as one in you. And we thank you that because of what you've done, because of who you are, that we have a hope and we can trust that you are still there with us. We thank you, Lord. We pray all this in Christ's most precious name. Amen.